Amen. Thank you, Mrs. Horton, for singing that that, uh, particular song. My mind immediately runs to England. That song was written about 15 miles away from where I pastored for years. And uh, just lots of thoughts that go along with it, serving in Liverpool and having that privilege of being close by. Thank you, thank you, thank you for singing that. I appreciate that very, very much. I did not know when Pastor John and I talked about this particular Sunday weeks ago that Pastor Bain would be preaching on the same exact subject or same exact topic. In fact, on Friday when he sent across uh, his text, I said, oh no, do I need to have a plan B? And uh, so I text back and I said, do I need to change it? And I told him the direction in which uh, Pastor John and I specifically had talked about. And uh, he says, no, I think they'll dovetail perfectly. And he was right. Uh, that's the first time, I think. And no, I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was, he was right. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit just puts it together. And uh, it was a wonderful, and I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do with this tonight. This message that I'm going to preach tonight is something I preached every year at the churches that I had the privilege of pastoring as senior pastor. This is a message that has revolutionized and changed the way I look at missions. It has helped me put missions in perspective in a way that truly has helped me to stay on point and to stay on, yea, on task, as it were, with my missions giving. I believe in this principle very, very deeply. And I want to help you tonight, and I want to help the church here this evening on this simple thought of first century missions giving. Father, once again, I need your help. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to you afresh and anew. Please help me to be a help to your people tonight. In Jesus' powerful, perfect, and amazing name. Amen. In verse number 10 of our text tonight, the Bible says, But I rejoice greatly, or rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. I will, but I, I will not belabor the introduction, for preacher preached my introduction tonight, uh, this morning. But that focus, of course, is Paul. Uh, man who dearly loves the church of, uh, of Philippi, thanking them and accommod- or, uh, or giving their acclamation for, yea, their care, for, his, for their care for him. The Bible teaches us in verse number 14, as we have heard this morning, the Bible says, notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my, with my affliction. Paul is thanking them for their communication. As we heard this morning, this communication wasn't simply through picking up the phone. It wasn't a Facebook message or a Twitter uh, tweet. It wasn't uh, a TikTok. It was any of those things because life existed before all those things happened. Amen. And uh, they truly communicated, yea, through letter. And as we saw this morning, giving and receiving. That's what the Bible teaches us in verse number 15. Notwithstanding, you have done well that you communicate with my affliction. And what, is that, what is that communication? No church communicated with me as concerning giving 
and receiving, but ye only. I want you to notice where this started from. The Bible says that in the beginning of the gospel, Paul was thanking the church for giving and receiving. They gave, Paul received. It was a communication that, of course, was both ways. But Paul was thanking them for their gifts for him, for their care that helped him continue in the gospel. Now, when is the beginning of the gospel? This is not when Christ died, buried, and rose again, because after all, that is the gospel. This was not the moment Jesus Christ ascended up in heaven, for Paul was not even saved until Acts chapter number 9. So what is Paul describing here when he says, beginning of the gospel? Paul here is talking about his second missionary journey. He is speaking upon that journey in which began his process and his, and his journeys to Philippi. There are technically four missionary journeys that Paul traveled. Three were what we would consider proper missionary journeys or missionary trips. And one, of course, was to be Rome, uh, was to go to Rome, where, of course, he would be imprisoned, where, of course, he would later, of course, end his, uh, 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 or, or his life would end there. And the Bible teaches us, though, that at this second journey, the beginning of the gospel, is when Paul was writing or was thanking for this trip or for the church in Philippi for their communication. What was this? What was this communication? What was all of this about? Look at, please, if you would, Acts chapter 16. I want to traverse down through some roads. We're going to look at a lot of scripture tonight. I don't want to put it together very, very carefully this evening. Acts chapter 16. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 6. Now when they had gone throughout the region of Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. This is a journey in which Paul began to go. Paul wanted to go east. He wanted to go into Asia. I'm going to see if we can put a map up here. And uh, whoops, let's go back one more. There we go. On this journey, you'll see, and let's see if we can do this here. And we can. All right, so Paul is here and uh, in Antioch where he started. And as he started, he would go up to Tarsus, and then he would go up to Antioch. And right here, if I can get my hand to stay straight, amen, um, he wanted to go west, or east, excuse me. That was the direction in which he wanted to go. However, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit of God stopped him. The Holy Spirit of God redirected him. The Holy Spirit began to speak to his heart, stating that he wanted him to go a different direction. Now, I'm thankful that Paul was obedient to the listening or, or to the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm glad he had a listening ear and was attentive to the voice of the Spirit of God. Because of his obedience, the gospel would continue to spread west 
And thank God we have the gospel and we are in a gospel preaching church tonight because of the obedience of a man of God who was willing to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank God for the Apostle Paul. Thank God for a man who was willing to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us that Paul was truly obedient. The Bible teaches us in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9, notice what the scripture continues to say. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. This is what we would call the Macedonian call. What does that mean, Macedonian call? Well, if we go to our next map here, and are we on proclaim here? There we go. And uh, you'll see some areas, or the same journey but outlined with geographical areas or countries. Macedonia is a geographical area. It's not just simply a town, it's an area. It's like saying, I'm going to West Virginia. Well, where at in West Virginia? There's many areas in which one can go. Paul here is going to a geographical area called Macedonia. So if we can do this again here. He is here. Instead of going further east into Asia, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit of God prompted him to go over into Macedonia, that country or that geographical area there. And the Bible teaches us that Paul obeyed and went, of course, to that region. Let's just, for example, and just for geographical area, let's just say he went, or of course he traveled west, Let's just say he went to, from West Virginia, as it were, to Ohio. And as he went to Ohio, he went to a place in which there was a population, a place where there were people, a place where he could minister to. And the Bible teaches us that he found a city to go to. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 12. And from thence to Philippi which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we're in that city abiding certain days. Paul went to Philippi where there was a city, where there were people to go and to minister to. I'm going to ask for some young men to help me here tonight. And uh, let me see here. Um, Mr. Zach, you look like a good prospect. I know you were looking a different direction, hoping I would not call upon you. But I'm calling upon you. Amen. And uh, help me if you would please come on up. And let me see. I need an Apostle Paul here. Let's see here. Um, Christian, you're a perfect candidate. Why don't you come on up here? All right. So, Zach, I'm going to let you be Mr. Philippi or represent the uh, Philippi. And Christian, I'm going to let you represent uh, the Apostle Paul. If you would just go stand by Philippi there. And uh, so Paul goes to Philippi. What does he do when he goes to Philippi? Well, Paul's procedure was, was to go to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. So he would go and he would look for where the Jewish people would meet. If there was 10 or more practicing Jewish families, he would go to what would be called a minion. And no, it's not those little yellow guys either. I'm sorry. 
a minion would be 10 or more practicing Jewish families that would be gathered together and they would often build a synagogue and such and they would have a proper meeting place. If there was less than 10 practicing Jewish families, there would be something called a place of prayer. And this could be in many different locations. It could be in a home. It could be in a building. It could be just out in the open somewhere. But he would find a place of prayer or a synagogue in which to minister to people. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 13. The Bible says, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which were resorted thither, and a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose, the Lord, uh, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Stop there for just a moment. The Bible teaches us that Paul looked for a synagogue. There was not a synagogue or ten or more practicing Jewish families in Philippi, but he found a place of prayer. Among that place of prayer, which happened to be by a riverside there in Philippi, he noticed someone that stood out, a lady named Lydia. Lydia did not fit. She was not Jewish, but she was someone who was looking for the truth. Someone who was looking for one that had an answer to her, to her questions, to her heart need. She was a wealthy woman. The Bible teaches us that she was a seller of purple. If you go back to first century, a seller of purple would have been someone who dealt with royalty. This is someone who had the financial means to do what she wanted. She probably was the head caretaker, so to speak, or finance provider in her home. Her hands provided her and her family with a good living. She was able to provide great means because of the royalty that she worked with. And the Bible tells us that as Lydia, even though she was financially well off, was still looking for an answer, was still looking for the truth. You see, she thought she could find hope and money. She thought she could find answers in the wealth of the world, but that left her with an emptiness. That left her uh, uh, with a vanity that was not filled, and she was looking for an answer. And the Bible teaches us that Paul came and began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what happened? The Bible says Lydia got saved. She recognized that Jesus Christ was the answer. He was the one that she was looking for. And the Bible teaches us that she trusted in Christ as as her Savior. And what happened? The Bible says that when she was baptized and her household... Not only did Lydia get saved, but she brought Paul back to her household and said, you need to listen to this man. He just taught me what we've been looking for, and his name is Jesus. Not only did she get baptized, but her whole household came to know Christ as Savior. She besought us, saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And the Bible teaches us that Paul ministered to that family and God began to work in Philippi. Now, if you know the story of Philippi, Philippi came with some trouble. Paul ended up in prison because of his preaching on the gospel and Christ. Paul, while in prison, would meet a jailer. 
The Bible teaches us that as Paul and Silas were in the prison singing and praising God, that suddenly an earthquake came. Suddenly the doors were loosed. The Bible teaches us that their bands dropped off and the jailer, recognizing what was going to take place, came in and was going to end his own life, knowing as a Roman soldier that it was going to be his life for the prisoners that escaped. And he, thinking that all the prisoners had gone, was going to take his own life and to avoid the shame that was going to come to his family. However, Paul and Silas cried out. Paul said, oh, wait wait a minute, Don't, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. What happened? We know the jailer came in and fell at his feet and said, what must I do to be saved? Oh, what a question. What an amazing question that was. And the Bible teaches us that that Philippian jailer got saved. But not only did the Philippian jailer got saved, but his whole household came to know Christ as Savior. And so what did Paul do? Paul got Lydia and and this Philippian jailer, brought them together and organized, what, a local New Testament church. A church was formed in Philippi. This church was a, uh, meant much to Paul as God grew this church. This church became very dear to Paul as we heard, yea, even this morning. God blessed and God used that church profoundly, but the truest form of local New Testament missions is doing exactly what Paul did in Philippi. Going to a city, seeing people saved, organizing and developing a local New Testament church as God builds and directs and leads. Is it wrong to support a ministry? Absolutely not. But church planting is what we see practiced over and over and over again in New Testament scriptures. And this is what Paul did. Over and over again, we see this principle. Over and over again, we see God doing just this very thing. However, Paul did not stay in Philippi. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse number 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few." So Paul went from Philippi to Thessalonica. Paul went to an area like, let's say, Ohio. He went to Cleveland, but he didn't stay in Cleveland. He went also to Columbus. And yea, he went to this other city. Let me see, I need someone else. Mr. Josh, you're a great help. If you could help me, I would appreciate that. And so he went from Philippi to Thessalonica. 
So Paul, if you would move over to Thessalonica here, that would be great. And so he is still in the same country, still in the same geographical area. He has not left Macedonia, but he's went from Philippi to Thessalonica. And what does he do in Thessalonica? He does exactly what he did in Philippi. Except this time, the Bible says there was a synagogue. So he went into the synagogue and he preached Christ. And the Bible tells us that for three Sabbath days, or for three weeks, he went in preaching Jesus Christ. Some of them believed, some of them did not. But the Bible tells us that there was many of the Greeks who came to know Christ as Savior. And Paul, or excuse me, and, and the Word of God says, and of the chief women, not a few. So many people came to know Christ as Savior here in Thessalonica. Paul did exactly what he did in Philippi as he did in Thessalonica. There was people saved, baptized, and a local New Testament church was established in Thessalonica. And we see that because of the book of, Philippi, of Philippians and the, book of, and the book of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, we see those letters written to these churches, again, in the same country as Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul did not stay in Thessalonica. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse number 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Paul did not stay in Thessalonica. He went to Berea. It would be like going from Cleveland to Columbus to Cincinnati. Let me see. Can I have your help? Absolutely. I appreciate that. Guys, if you could scoot that way just a little bit further, that would be great. All right, wonderful. And uh, Berea, so he goes from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea. Now, this is all in the same geographical area. He has not left the country of Macedonia. Now, we don't have a book called the Berean book. But we're not doing any injustice to Scripture showing exactly what God did or what Paul did. His pattern was... To go into a city and to do what? To preach in the synagogues. Look, at, look, look back at Acts chapter 17, please. By night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. <coughs> Therefore, many of them believed. Also, the honorable women, which were, uh, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. So Paul preached the gospel in Philippi, in Thessalonica, and in Berea. God says the people in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that when Paul preached, they went back and they looked at the word of God, and they confirmed what Paul was preaching. They said that is accurate to what the Word of God has to say. That is accurate to Scripture. And yes, we're going to put our faith and trust in this. Paul put their, uh, Paul preached Christ. They confirmed it. And then they trusted in Christ as Savior. The Bible says a lot of people came to know Christ as Savior. Just because we don't have a book of the Bible called the Berean book of the Bible doesn't mean that a local New Testament church wasn't started in Berea. I believe there was, and I believe that church was a thriving church because of their willingness to follow Scripture. But Paul did not stay in Berea. Remember, he's been in, Thessalon- he's been in Macedonia so far. He's not left, if we can use our local uh, 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 geographical area of Ohio, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. 
And now he goes somewhere else. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 15. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens. Athens. Where is Athens? Let me see. Can I have someone else? Can I have your help, please? Paul goes from Macedonia to Athens. Stand if you would right here. So, Paul, go to Athens. Now, where's Athens? We see on this map here that there is a stretch here from Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea and now to Athens. Well, let's go to the next geographical area, and I want you to start the map showing the geographical area here. It's very important we catch this. I'm doing a lot of background here. We're going to put it all together here in just a moment. But the Bible teaches us here. There we go. Okay, let's stop that uh, for a second. Let's let the computer wake up. Um, and so the Bible teaches us they go to Achaia. You'll see Macedonia, the tan-colored area. And then if you look at the green area, they go to an area called Achaia. Now, Achaia is another country. It's another geographical area. It's like going from Cincinnati, Ohio to Lexington, Kentucky. You've crossed into another region, another area. And they began to do exactly, Paul began to do exactly what he did in Macedonia. Paul thought he would be a good fit for Athens. Paul was a very well-studied man. He was very studious, sitting under the feet of a man named Gamaliel. He was a man that studied at the best universities and schools. He was a man who knew the law. He was a Pharisee before he got saved. He knew the law very well. Paul was a very intelligent man. He, going to Athens, the intellectual city, he thought he would be a good fit. He thought there would be an opportunity for a ministry that God would have for him there. This was a very humanistic center. And yet, they did not receive Paul well. In fact, if you continue through Acts 17, you'll find that things did not go well at all in Athens. He was not received. He was rejected. The Bible does not tell us or insinuate that a local church even started in Athens. There was a few people who did get saved. But honestly, humanly speaking, he failed in Athens. But I want you to notice this. He did not quit. Even when things got difficult, even when things were hard, even though the results were not what he desired, he chose to not quit. He chose to continue. He chose to stay faithful to it. He chose to do that which was right. He chose to continue preaching Christ. He chose to continue preaching the gospel. He chose to continue staying that with us staying standing and staying in that which is right. He chose to be faithful to that in which God had him to do. And may I state, my friends, it is vital that we learn this aspect from Paul. 
There'll be seasons of ministry where it might look like our, our, our work, humanly speaking, is not as productive as we want. But my friends, let me encourage you to not quit. To stay faithful in that in which God has called. I'm thankful Paul was faithful in that in which he was called to in Athens. God blessed because he continued to be faithful to what he knew what, that which is right. Stay faithful to that which is right, even in those dry seasons, even in those moments in which you are wondering at why you're even doing the same things anymore. My friends, stay faithful in that because God does bless a faithful man. Stay faithful in that which God teaches. Paul did not quit. And notice what happens when he chose not to quit. In Acts chapter 18, verse number 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Let me see. Who else? Want to help? All right, come on up, if you would, please, Mr. Owen. I appreciate that. And so Paul goes from Athens to Corinth. Thank you. Now, really, I just brought these guys up here just to show you how handsome I am in comparison. <laughs> I'm teasing. No, no, I'm not. Um, what happens when Paul goes to Corinth? Notice what the Bible says in verse number 8. He does exactly what he did in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and even Athens. But notice what takes place. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. Remember he went to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. Believed on the Lord with all his house. Paul preached the gospel in the synagogue. And what happens? The chief ruler. That in which Ye governed or followed or Ye uh, took care of the synagogue, trusted in Christ as his Savior. And after trusting in Christ as his Savior, the Bible teaches us that his whole household likewise trusted in Christ as their Savior. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Because after the leader of this synagogue gets saved, the Bible says, And many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Why should we not quit in Athens? Because there's a Corinth coming. Because there's a Corinth around the corner. Because Paul stayed faithful in Athens. God blessed in Corinth. And Corinth saw many people come to know Christ as Savior. God did much there in Corinth. Oh yes, were there some problems that Paul had to deal with in the church in Corinthians? Absolutely. Uh, we see First and Second Corinthians and see all the different corrections that were needed. But there was a bunch of baby Christians and young Christians that were growing in the Lord. And God used that church in uh uh, in Corinth, in a great and mighty way, my friends, God blessed because Paul did not stay or did not quit. Excuse me, in Athens. Thank God for what God chose, or for what, or for Paul, and for his tenacity to stay faithful to the Scriptures. Paul stayed with it, and many came to know Christ because of his continued faithful ministry. But what does this all have to do with our text? Go back to Philippians chapter 4, please. And we'll tie this all together. 
Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse number 15, please. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia. Okay, Paul, come here. Where's Macedonia? Right back here with Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So when Paul departed from Macedonia, he goes from one geographical country to another and goes, departs from Macedonia and goes to Achaia. When he's now in another country, what does he thank the church in Philippi for? Communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul said, when I was in the church in Athens, or when I was, excuse me, when I was in the ministry at Athens, I saw you give and I received. So what happened? The church in Philippi got together and said, you know, Paul worked a lot when he was here. He worked hard. He's going to another country. He's going to have bills. He's going to have things in which he is going to have to provide for. We need to help him. And they got together and said, would you like to provide an offering together? Let's help Paul, since he's out of our country now. He needs help. Let's help him. You want to do that? They said yes. So what did they do? They got an offering together. Go ahead, take the offering. I know how much is there. And you can go, (laughs) and you can give it to Paul. Amen? Go give it to Paul if you would. And he gave, the church gave, and Paul received. That is our New Testament missions, or our local church missions, right there. The church gave, and Paul received across the world. Tonight, we've got the Wyatts with us in Tanzania, just driving through and stopping with us. It's good to see a good friend. They've been serving. This would be us supporting someone in Tanzania, supporting like the Wyatts. This would be our finances illustrated exactly as Bible tells us it should be. Giving and receiving. This was the first church, the Bible says, but ye only. But notice the Bible doesn't stop there in verse number 15. Look at verse number 16, please. For even in Thessalonica. Oh, wait a minute. Where's Thessalonica? We just said that he was in in a K.I. But wait a minute. Where is Thessalonica? Paul, would you go back to Thessalonica? Wait a minute. Can you scoot back just aside just a little bit? There we go. So we can illustrate this. This is the same country. This is the same area, as it were. Paul said that even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again. What did they do? They said, we know how Paul served us here in Philippi. We want to help him even in Thessalonica. 
We know he hasn't left our own country, but we want to help him. And so they got an offering together. And they went over and they gave it to Paul in Thessalonica. But they didn't do it just once, did they? He said once and again. We need to help Paul some more here. And so they helped Paul again. We don't know how many times this was. We know at least twice. It could have been much more. But we do know that Paul was receiving the communication, receiving the gifts from the church in Philippi, even while he was in the same country. This is supporting a missionary on deputation. This is supporting a missionary while on furlough. This is supporting a church planner like Pedro Morales that we just helped a few weeks ago over in Baltimore. This is helping a church planner in one's own country. We see the biblical principle of giving even in our own country. Notice what Paul or what the Bible says in verse number 16. For even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again unto my necessity. Necessity speaks of that which is necessary. Why? Because there is a need. There is a need to be had. Brother Wyatt, do you still have to pay for electric in Tanzania? You do? I mean, they don't, they don't give it to you for free because you're in a different country? No? Your house surely is free though, right? No? Oh, your food? No? You mean you have needs in Tanzania like we have needs here? Absolutely. And that's the same anywhere you go. They said, Paul, you have needs in Thessalonica. You have needs in Achaia. And we want to help meet those needs. Electric is due. Water is due. The mortgage is due. We understand that here in the States, but let me tell you, it's the same everywhere. There are necessities that are needful, and God used the church in Philippi to meet those needs in Thessalonica and around the world in different countries. Now hold your place there in Philippians 4. We're going to come right back there. We're almost done. But I want you to see this principle here. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 7. The Bible tells us, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. Paul here is now teaching the church in Corinth. He is telling them of what took place in a while he was there. Paul, if I could have you go to Corinth there. So as Paul is in Corinth, he says, let me testify of what took place. I was able to preach the gospel of God freely. What does he mean by that? He explains. I robbed other churches. We just saw a church, but while he's in Corinth, he says churches. 
How many is that? At least two. But here's what I believe happened. I believe the church in Philippi said, we helped Paul in Thessalonica. We helped him in Athens. We want to help him again. And so they took up an offering and said, we want to help. But on their way to Corinth, they stopped by Thessalonica. And they said, you know what? We're going to help Paul in Corinth. Would you want to be a help? And would you want to have a part in, the, uh, in helping Paul in Corinth? Would you want to do that? Yeah. And so they took together an offering. And they likewise got an offering. And they came over to Berea. And they said, we want to help Paul in Corinth. Do you want to help Paul in Corinth and help him preach the gospel? Wonderful. Well, let's do that. And so they took their offering and they went down and they helped Paul while he was in Corinth. Paul said, I robbed other churches so I could preach the gospel of God freely. This is a missionary raising funds or, yea, receiving funds from not just one church, but churches. Wouldn't it be wonderful if just Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church could support one missionary fully? That would be awesome. That would be incredible. Provide every bit of their expenses, all of their needs. But what happens if things go awry? The church in Philippi understood that and said, we need churches to help a church planner named Paul. And so those churches supported one man to preach the gospel in Corinth. Notice how Paul continues. I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia, as we saw illustrated, supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Paul said, I never, I never had to take a salary from you because the churches of Macedonia was able to help me, yea, play, uh, uh, preach the gospel. They were able to help me uh, 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 meet the needs that I had because they were willing to take an offering. They were willing to sacrifice to meet my needs while in Corinth. God used these churches to supply the needs that which was necessary for Paul. Go back to Philippians chapter 4 and we're done. Now why did Paul do this? Why did Paul take these wages? Notice what the Bible says in Philippians 4 verse number 17. Not because I desire a gift. Not because I desire a gift. Why did Paul take those funds in Thessalonica? Not because he desired a gift. Why did he take those funds in Athens? Not because he desired a gift. Why did he take those funds in Corinth? Not because he desired a gift. There is a word that I detest very, very greatly about missionaries. A word mockingly used as moochinary. I despise that term with every fiber of my being. 
Every man worth his salt preaching the gospel of God knows absolutely that he is working, that he is working hard, and that he is laboring to get the gospel out. My friends, they are not there to receive and to live a somewhat uh, a luxurious lifestyle, but so that the gospel can go forward and Jesus Christ be exalted and the word of God to go forward. That's their harsh decision. That's their harsh desire. Paul said, I'm not doing this because I desire a gift. I desire it. Why? For I took it because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul said, I see your sacrifice, Philippi. I saw your sacrifice, Thessalonica and Berea, but speaking to Philippi in particular in this passage, he says, I see your sacrifice. And he says, that sacrifice is fruit to your account. How many times do we hear of missionaries as uh, uh, as a minister to people and people come to know Christ as Savior? People follow the Lord and believers' baptism. People uh, begin to be part of a local New Testament church, become discipled, and begin the process all over again. How many times do we read that over and over and again in our missionary prayer letters? My friends, that is all fruit that abounds to our account. That is all fruit that abounds to the account of those who have a part in getting the gospel around the world and thank God for it. It is fruit that abounds to our account. Though every life changed, every church that is started, every soul that is saved is fruit that abounds to the account of a missions giving church. Verse number 18 Paul says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. I love this part. An odor of a sweet smell. A sacrifice acceptable. Well-pleasing to God. I know what it's like to be on the receiving side as Paul was. Of missions. I know what it was like to receive support from you. We look past just the numbers on the check. And we think about the sacrifice that it took so we could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ freely. What an astounding thing. To think of the hundreds, thousands of people that are willing willing to sacrifice so the gospel can go forward. It is a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul says in verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul was thanking the church for their missions giving. And as he's thanking the church for their missions giving, he says, let me tell you a promise. Let me give you a promise from God. When you give to get the gospel out, God promises to meet your need. Let me 
use one further illustration here. Let me see. Christian, if I could have you stay up. Let me see. Uh, Owen, if I could have your help. And Zach, if I could have your help. The rest of you guys, if you want to go down, you may please do so. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Let me transition into one final illustration. Thank you, man. I appreciate your help. Don't allow Christian to remain uh, as the missionary, as it were. And, Lord, please forgive me. I'll allow Zach to represent God, all right? And uh, I'm sorry, I could have picked someone much, much better. Uh, And, Owen, if I could have you come here, and I'll let you stand here. So the church here in Philippi is wanting to give. And this could be representative of all missionaries. Missionary, can I have that money back, please? I'm going to take the money away from you and uh, for just a moment. Okay. God has bigger pockets than we could ever think about. Owen, representing the local church, said, you know what, I want to give to get the gospel. I want to give to help this man reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Because you know what, this is going to take some money from my mortgage or even from maybe my utility bills, but I'm willing to do it because I see the need. And so he is willing to give. And so he does exactly that. He reaches in and he pulls out some money and he gives to the missionary, if you would, Owen, give to the missionary and God looks and says, I see that. I see that you creating a need because you help fulfill the need to get the gospel around the world. And God says, I can supply that need. And so God reaches in, if you would, get a Dollar bill. I don't normally tell God what to do, but I will tonight. And uh, if you would reach in and give back, if you would, please. And he does so. You know, he goes the next paycheck and thought, wow, I thought it was going to be short, but I'm not. God's blessed. God's met every one of my needs. I want to give again. And so he gives again. And God says, I see that. And he likewise gives once again to meet those needs. He says, wow, this is incredible. I like what I'm doing here. I like what God is doing here. And he gives again to meet the missionary's needs. And God looks down and says, you know what? He's been faithful in giving. I've met his needs. I want to meet above and beyond his needs. And so he reaches in and doesn't just meet the needs, but go ahead and give him that 10 if you would please there. And he says, I'm going to give even more to meet those needs. And Owen says, wow, this is great. I can give more to missions. And so he does. He gives more. And God says, okay, let me give back. And give back, if you would, another 10. I think there's one more in there, I think. I hope. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was a supply for God's provide. And, um, and I'm not wealthy, amen? Um, so God meets his needs. But watch this. This time... Owen says, you know what? God's been so good. I need a new suit, though. I want to come to church, and I want to have a new suit to wear. 
you know what? Instead of giving the missions, I'm going to keep this. And I'm going to just keep it in my pocket and spend it on me for a time. And so he does. He does put it in his pocket. Go ahead and stick it in your pocket there. I know exactly which pocket it's in, though. And, uh, and it's just 110. I'm keeping track. Uh, <laughs> and so he does. He just keeps it. Now, wait a minute. Is God now obligated to meet Owen's needs? Not according to Scripture. He might, because he's a generous and merciful God. But he's not obligated, according to Philippians 4.19. Owen looks back and says, boy, I made it to this next paycheck, but just barely. It was rough. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. He says, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to give. And so he reaches back in his pocket. He pulls out that 110. And he gives it to Christian. And God says, I see that. And he gives back. Give back more if you would, please. And we could continue this process over and over and over again. But you get the picture. God says, you create a need, and I promise to fill it when you give to get the gospel to other people. God gives a powerful promise here. And he does so because as we have a heart that is tender and willing to obey God, it doesn't matter the amount. It matters what God has laid upon our heart. And what we have prayed and prayerfully sought the Holy Spirit of guidance and counsel about. We believe that God is wanting us to give. When we choose to be obedient, God says, I want to do so. And I will continue to be faithful to you. Because as a tender-hearted Christian, we come to verse number 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Why do we do this? Why do we give to get the gospel from one church to another missionary? <coughs> so the glory can go to God for what powerful things he does. To meet needs. So the question tonight is not is if God can, because God's pocket is much bigger than ours. He paves heaven with streets of gold. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is able. So the question is not if God can supply. The question is tonight. is how big is our faith? The question tonight is, how much are we allowing and will allow God to use us, as Pastor said a moment earlier, as conduits to reach the gospel around the world? Let's be big conduits 
Let's allow the gospel to flow freely through us. Let's step out by faith this week and watch God supply in only ways in which he can. Let's put God to the test and watch God meet the needs over and over and over again. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for how you've provided. God, you are just incredible. You are wonderful. You are magnificent. And God, I pray that you would help us tonight to give as you see fit. I pray that you would help us this week as we step out by faith in our Faith Promise Missions Conference. To decide to step out by faith and maybe in ways in which, honestly, may challenge us. May necessitate, yea, our hearts and our lives to bow before you in prayer for our relationship with you to deepen. I pray that you would help us tonight to see the biblical nature of missions and the power of allowing you to flow through us to reach the gospel around the world. Help us. Challenge us, please. Help us to be people that take steps of faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed.